Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds every single day. Rudo and Megan coming at you a little bit late today, but we're still here. We're still doing the show. Uh, look, I don't, I don't want to take this show too seriously. I don't want to get into anything too crazy with the Avs, but. I certainly believe the Colorado Avalanche are better than their regular season record has shown so far. So I did want to get into uh, some of the month-to-month numbers so far this season I have pulled up. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about where the Avs are. As much as people hate it, I'm sure we'll get into the injury conversation a little bit too. So uh, let's let's start with today. Megan, you were at practice. Bednar had some updates and some weirdly cryptic stuff about Gabe Landeskog? Well, it was an interesting practice day. It was Evan of Colorado Hockey Now and Ryan Bolding of NHL.com. And it was just us three, really, in that room. So before the media availability started, I looked at him and said, I think we need to hit on Landeskog a little more. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I thought it was a really odd detail that the procedure from this season wasn't related to the spring procedure last year but they probably didn't help one another and I wanted to get clarification on what that meant and so we tried to tag team this it was a little chaotic because I don't know if we had this plan in place but I started with asking for some clarity on the nature of the injury basically the procedure from spring the procedure from fall he did say that they're unrelated to each other but that they both relate to the knee And he made a point, too, of using language differently when it concerned surgery versus procedure, which was what made it a little bit confusing, because he initially started by saying that Landeskog didn't have surgery this year and went on to say that he had a procedure. And we knew back in October from a press conference that there was an arthroscopic knee surgery that was announced and he would miss 12 weeks. And that's sort of why we had that January timeline pinned on our calendars in the first place. And that was from that press conference back in October. So after a little bit of back and forth, there was confusion on if this would be considered a procedure or surgery. Um, He gave us a little bit of a rough timetable that Peter Baugh has since followed up on too to try and hammer out some of the details. But it was interesting that Bednar volunteered the information dating back to the quad surgery that Landis God had in the bubble. That's sort of where he began this timeline. And then he moved it forward to last spring, around March timeframe, a knee surgery, and then 
he reports the training this year, feels discomfort, and then has this other procedure um, that he described as being less severe or, or more minor in nature compared to what he had last spring. And that he's in this place now of all he can do in this moment is rehab. And the interesting things is him bringing up the quad surgery, volunteering this information, and talking about how Landeskog has been through a lot of things this season. Because it makes me feel like a lot of this is compounded atop one another. And it left us feeling still a little bit confused. I'd recommend checking out Twitter. There's a little more updates from a combination of Peter Ba, Ryan Boulding, Evan, and me piecing together what we got in terms of the timeline and the nature of these procedures versus surgeries. Um, but that's sort of where we're at. There isn't a clearer timetable moving forward for Landeskog. I think we have a little more clarity than before on why these two things were originally explained as being different from one another, but related. Yeah, it's ultimately, I don't know that, that it matters too much as far as his timeline is concerned, exactly what the injury is. And it, it seems like they're playing that timeline pretty loosely. We'll put it that way. Um, so don't really know exactly when you can expect Landy back. Obviously the hope would be for the playoffs, but it, it doesn't seem like they're super competent in that. I will say that is kind of a consensus, like not just in you and I speaking about it now, but just among other media, it grows more and more concerned and that the likelihood of him returning within the season feels really further out of reach. It's not been confirmed. That just seems to be the consensus. It's just the way things are, are heading. We'll put it that way. Uh, so, you know, not the best news in the world there, but at least a little bit of, of maybe not full clarity, but some clarity uh, into Landis Gog's situation as it is. Um, beyond that, you also had, seems like Eric Johnson continuing to progress well, Bednar continuing to have positive things to say about him getting back in a more realistic time frame. So that's good. That was very good. It was originally projected eight to 10 weeks. He thinks that was a conservative estimate and that we're looking at closer to eight with the possibility of it being even sooner than eight. There is even a question of today looking at him ahead of practice that he might resume like full practice, not maybe contact, but like stick around for the practice because of how good he has looked lately. And so it's trending in the right direction. They are still waiting on some x-ray MRIs to confirm that the bone is healing as it should. But thankfully, he was able to speak more positively about Eric Johnson's status. So you've you've looked at those things. You have Darren Helm practicing with the team. Uh, he is still in a no contact, but he should be close as well. Are the Evs, now let me put it this way, do the Evs need to get some of these guys back, be it Helm, EJ, Manson, to really make this push towards the top of the Central Division in the last portion of the season here? The simple answer is yes. What the exact combination of players to return is, is a little bit outside of everyone's control too, but it sounds like Helm is realistic to return because he's going to be traveling as soon as next week, and he has looked really strong in practice lately. 
basically full practice business as usual. It just seems like they're being very cautious with him. The other side of that is Eric Johnson being projected to return sooner than we had hoped. And then there's question marks surrounding Manson, who I want to give you guys the full audio from the availability because I did ask about Josh Manson. However, it got lost in the shuffle because Budnar was very kind to go back to the Landeskog topic right after I'd asked about Manson. And so he gave me more information on Landeskog, but it did come at the expense of my Manson question. So I don't have an updated timetable on Manson. The last we had heard that is that he was going to miss some time. And so I don't have an updated timetable for him. It's hard to say then in, in the not knowing. But the other side of it too is Pavel Francos, who in playoff contention, you hope is just backing up Alexander Georgiev. But we have seen the way in a bubble in which backup goaltending becomes of the utmost importance and be, can become your starting goaltender in the matter of a single game. And so his health is very important. The latest with him has been about three and a half weeks ago, he was projected to miss three to four weeks with a lower body injury. Unfortunately, that timetable has kind of been scrapped because he is yet to get back on the ice. I've not heard this described as any sort of setback, rather just sort of a slower going process. So I wouldn't classify it as a setback, but the timeline is not originally as expected, it is slower. And so it's hard to say then what Pavel Franco's status is, but he is expected back. It's just taken him longer to get back and that poses a little bit of concern. But in that conversation then, I'm counting on playoffs having Franco's, Manson, Helm, I think, and Eric Johnson. Sure. I'm counting on that mix. And I think that's actually a pretty solid mix. The Landeskog would be such a secret weapon if I could confidently say that he would also return for the playoffs. This conversation would be made so much more easy. But you just can't confidently say it at this point. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Just not something you can reliably count on. So let's let's get back to the point then. Take all of them out. Certainly for the next, maybe they get Darren Helm back soon. But beyond that, you're not expecting these returns in the immediate. Right now, the Evs are 1-3-1 and one in March. They have an easier schedule. Can they do what they need to do to actually challenge for the top of the Central? I think challenging for top of Central is a bit lofty. I wouldn't put it outside the realm of possibility because... Through some of these difficult losses, including Seattle and including last night. Last night, right? My sense of time is a little bit off. It's but rough. It's rough. The out LA, here. Yes, the LA Kings game, basically. Like you put San Jose in the middle, dominant performance gives you a little bit of hope. But even outside of some of those difficult losses that we've watched, we've also seen them string together some kind of character statement wins in the absence of players that they really rely upon. And so for that reason, I'm never counting the abs fully out, but the circumstances of this season, and this is such an obvious statement, are so different from last year's group that we're just dealing with an entirely different beast. I don't know if I could confidently say they challenge for the top of Central, but I do believe they're going to get there. They're going to get to the playoffs. And how easy they make that on themselves is going to be ultimately up to them, but I believe it is still very much possible as this group is currently constructed. Okay, so let me let me take that and ask you this then. In those playoffs, do you think the Avs are a better team than they've shown what they have so far this regular season? 
is this is this a little bit of the Avs not fully committing to going all out this regular season or do you think this is a realistic expectation of what we've seen from Colorado so far I think you know it it's a cliche because Jared Bednar has said as much but this next gear that they have to unlock I do believe in that. I believe we saw a different example of this last year when they did have a dominant performance to sit atop the West and coast a little bit through the end of those games. There was concern, can they ramp it back up come playoffs? They let their foot off the gas a little bit here at the end of the regular season. Can they turn it back on? And right now, the question has cropped up a lot sooner. Can they turn it on right now? Can they hit that next gear right now and then sustain it through the rigor of what is likely to be an even more challenging playoff run because I don't think they're going to be able to coast through the playoffs as quickly as they did as, as that last year group did. So basically, I I think that they just, I asked Bednar about this a little bit today, but the hunger to win the first Stanley Cup, it's a different sort of hunger that is instinct. It doesn't even need to be activated, but there is a different sort of demand when it comes to activating the motivation that is necessary of chasing a second. And I think it, it's a, just a different beast from what they dealt with last year. They have to be hungrier and they can do that right now. That would be the time to turn it on is right now and carry that into the playoffs. As uh, Jesse Montano joins us as well. Jesse, same mustache question. All. Well, it, is a, it is a beautiful mustache. I'm not going to lie to you. I appreciate you being polite. Thank you. <laughs> I, it, it's better than mine. Look at mine. so you at least got somebody beat (laughs) uh what was the question just like the verbiage of it are the colorado avalanche better than their record currently yeah i think so okay and yeah do we expect as megan was alluding to do we expect them to find another gear come playoff time i do so just my take on what megan was saying there about having to find that that other gear it's just it's so funny because it's something that i think we've all been talking about at least you know in the media room like once jared gets done after either some of these bad losses or off days whatever it just has kind of been the the topic of like what what is it what's what's missing what's not there and and i think it was ryan bolding who first kind of said i heard him ask devon taves a week or two ago about what we're talking about. Like, is it harder for you guys to get up for these games after going through that kind of playoff run? And, you know, he mentioned uh, Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taves, other guys that he had either spoken to or comments had been out there that, you know, they had been on record saying we really struggled to get up for regular season games after having go through that whole rigor. Devon Taves kind of downplayed it, but, you know, Jared Bednar says today, I believe the quote was no question when asked, like, is it harder to get up for these games versus, uh, you know, what you guys just went through. I think this is, I think this is an interesting situation for the abs for a lot of the reasons that Megan just laid out in terms of having to like, almost kind of like rewire what you were doing. I, I love the way you put that of like going for that first one is just instinct. You know, you're willing to do anything for it. Um, and I think that is still true to an extent. This is what I think what we're seeing right now is why teams that are either trying to repeat or have recently won are so dangerous in the playoffs and why you hear this every year of like, Ooh, you don't want any part of that in round one. 
I think this has been a mental slog for the abs. I can say for me, and I'm 100% positive, the two of you will agree, in our capacity, what we do, like this season has been a grind. Coming off of last year, through that long playoff run, the shortened offseason, especially, you know, for us, like we do offseason stuff. We are right there with draft and free agency and all that, rookie camp. So, like, this season has been tough. Megan, I asked her that. I said, what game is this, 63? Or I, I said 61, 62, and she said 63. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe where we're at. This has been exhausting. It's crazy. I can't even imagine how they're feeling mentally, physically, all of that, how this has just been kind of tough. I do think that once you tip over into the playoffs, that like, like instinct that you referred to it as Megan, like, I think that is going to kick in. And for everyone who I can't see the chat for everyone who's probably saying already, or will say, Oh, you can't just flip the switch. You can't, whatever they did it last year. Like this group has the ability to ratchet it way up. Now I will say this. I've talked to some folks just around and i do think there is a sense right now that uh they can't be banking on their ability to go from zero to a hundred uh so you need to get that in check but like this team has the ability to gear it up when they need to so i think that not going zero to 100 is a very interesting topic um I, we'll get into it in a second. We are brought to you by Pins and Aces, first of all. So make sure you're looking good out there on the golf course. It's it's starting to get warm enough. You could just about get back on the golf course these days. I'm sure there are some courses open out there if you wanted to, to get around in. Uh, so make sure you're looking good with Pins and Aces. You can use the DNVR code at checkout for 15% off at pinsandaces.com. They got you fully covered. Personal favorite. I love their hats. I think they look absolutely sick. Highly recommend you go get some of those. But of course, they have polos. They have golf pants and shorts. Uh, they have, I think, cleats as well. Uh, or, you know, really get to the good stuff. Go get their beer sleeve so you can carry seven beers in your golf bag while you get onto the course. And then you need your swing juice. All right. It's just a fact. <laughs> So check them out, pinsandaces.com. Use the DNVR code. And then complete the ensemble with some Shady Rays, too. You can get your Shady Rays at shadyrays.com. Or if you're local, they have a physical location in the Park Meadows Mall where you can try them on, pick them out, figure them out. They have tons of different types. If you go around the DNVR fam, you'll see all sorts. A lot of people chose aviators, but everyone cool chose (laughs) non-aviators. So... I'm pretty sure Megan chose aviators, so sorry, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of options. If aviators are your thing, that's totally cool. Uh, Tons of other sunglasses as well. My personal favorite is the different types of polarization they have on them. So you can get blue ones like me. They have sepia ones. They have like orangey ones. They have all sorts of different colors. I think a couple of pairs have green ones even. So tons of options to look good with your shady rays. And the best part, use code DNVR. You can get two or more pairs and you get 50% off. That's essentially buy one, get one free. And once you have them, if you break them, you can send them back. They'll replace them for free in the first 30 days. If you lose them, they'll replace them for free in the first 30 days. If you just don't like them, you can send them back and they'll get you a different pair or refund you in the first 30 days. So they got you covered. They really do a great job of making sure you get what you like when it comes to a pair of sunglasses over at ShadyRays.com. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. 
I wanted to to get in to this a little bit here because I think you look at last year and that stretch at the end of the year where everyone was worried about they couldn't flip the switch and they had this game against St. Louis where they just bodied that team and people who were paying attention that was the game like oh okay they can they can still do this is there some similarities there to this San Jose game that we saw? I get it. San Jose's bad. It's a Sega Baba. But did we see the abs show they're capable of turning it back on when they want to? I don't even necessarily know if it was that they can turn it back on. But for me, and I think this is true for them, Megan, you and I talked about this a little bit. Like, I do just think those games are because like they've had a couple of those this year where they just completely outclass a team. And again, all those caveats with the San Jose Sharks, that's still an NHL team with NHL players. And for you to be, again, I think, Rudo, you were the one who used that phrase I saw on Twitter, outclass. Like, that that game wasn't even competitive. I just think it's a nice reminder that, like, even if this team isn't at that gear, they have that in them. Like, this group, even without Gabe Landeskog, is capable of just, burying another team like they have it in them yep in reflecting on mckinnon's availability from the la kings game too i know his comments may be read a bit nonchalant and i actually think it's a testament to mckinnon's ability not only in himself but this group to be able to turn it on when is needed and that's why he was a, pair, a player who just didn't appear panicked and didn't seem too bothered by the LA loss. I think coming on the heels of the San Jose game too, especially where he's a big factor in why that game is so dominant for them, I think that he has every confidence that they're still going to get this done and get to the, the finish line in terms of getting into the playoffs. And that's when we're really going to see those types of performances strung together more consistently. I think if I saw more panic in McKinnon, I would also have concerns that they can't lay on that type of dominance at will. But I think that is very revealing coming from him then. Well, and Megan, I'll take it a step further because I, I completely agree with you. And even, even though what him and Kale said a couple nights ago, the words were a little contradictory, but like, have you felt a sense of panic in that room at all this year? And like, be honest, if, if you feel like you felt it's been up and down. No, I felt disappointment and frustration. It's palatable too. And it's because there's a belief in many of these players that they're better than this. 100%. And that's hard to watch too. But, but it's not that, panic. That's exactly where I was going with this because, again, it's, it's, it's hard. And it's even hard for us to know, even being in the room and stuff like that. Like it's, it's hard to get that perspective from outside, I think. Because, you know, all we can see, all fans can see is what happens on the ice and the reactions on the ice and Miko, you know, getting frustrated with the refs and stuff. I have never once even remotely gotten the sense that this is a group that is worried that when the chips are down, they don't have it in them. I think back to Vegas last year and the injuries they had. And then by the time they got healthy-ish down the stretch, that team just looked like they were trying to keep their heads above water and they didn't seem confident. They didn't seem like they were you know, sure of themselves that they could get a win and it led to them missing the playoffs. This is an as team that 
I think if their backs were up against the wall, which I, I don't think it'll get to that point in the regular season, but if their backs were up against the wall, I think you would see very impressive hockey. I think you'd see a, a group of guys that all believe that they can get over the hump because they've done it. They, they, they now know, we know we can do it. We don't have to convince ourselves that we can do it. We just have to go out and do it. And it's been the execution part of it that has been missing. And that's why I could not agree with you more. I have felt disappointment in that room, but I have not felt panic or a lack of confidence once. I, I think more than anyone, maybe some of the interviews done with Andrew Cogliano exemplify yeah. that. Um, you go back, I forget which bad loss it was after exactly, but usually when you talk to NHL players after losses like that, in teams that know they're not that good, they know they're not going to go anywhere. They'll give you the, well, you know, we got to go back to practice. We got to keep working hard and figure something out. It's, yeah. you know, we just got to see where we can call. just says, yeah, that was embarrassing. But yeah, yeah. 100% comes into it, says that confidently knows that their team is just significantly better than that. It's a, it's a very different vibe than a team that like is struggling and doesn't know what to do. Right. It's, it's there, there's no, like, I don't get any sense that this is a team that's doubting their abilities. And, you know, we, you, you mentioned Nate's availability the other night. And I know some people were kind of picking at it be, because it was a contrast to what Kale said. Nate said, no, there's really nothing to learn from this game. We're going to have stinkers from time to time. Kale said, hey, you know, there's a lot to learn. There's a thing and the other. I think Nate went through that playoff run last year. And I think two things. One, <laughs> he saw that those types of positive responses get us off his back and away from his stall. Uh, so I think that's part of it, and I'm being truthful. But but I do think the other thing is that that I think Nate just Nate and this team just gained some perspective in last year's playoff run where it's like, hey. You know, Megan, you and I just had this talk. If you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Like, it's never going to be perfect. It's it it's the team that can battle through adversity the best that wins the Stanley Cup at the end of the season. Every team that gets into the, the playoffs, it's 16 teams. It's half the league. Every single one of them, if they want to go deep, they're going to have to overcome adversity in some capacity whether it's not playing well whether it's injuries uh you know bad goaltending losing games you shouldn't whatever if you're gonna go that distance you have to overcome it and i don't think this is a team that that thinks they can't and i i just told someone today if gabe landeskog is back round one game one or before to me, it will be a disappointment if this team isn't back in the cup final. That is how highly I think of this group compared to the rest of the Western Conference. If you get Gabe Landeskog back, anything short of the Stanley Cup final again, I would say like, damn, missed opportunity. Regardless of who they add, added, didn't add at the trade deadline, whatever. This team knows how good they are. They know what, you know, th their highest gear looks like. And I think they know how to get there. I just think that they've been, they, they've been dealt a tough hand this year and they're trying to navigate it and they haven't done it great at times, right? They've stumbled quite a bit. Um, but seriously, I, I just, with what you're talking about, Megan, with Nate, Rudo, with what you're saying with Cogliano, it's those types of messages that I'm saying, 
If I'm another Western Conference GM, I am going to bed every night praying that Gabe Landeskog isn't back in time for the playoffs because this is a team that I just, I would want no part of. Nothing is going to rattle them come playoff time. And I think that's the mentality that Nate is trying to project. We aren't rattled. How often did we talk about that last year with Tampa? What was so scary about them? They got down in that series against Toronto. They were down in the elimination game and they didn't look bothered for a second. And I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing shine through with Nate. Hey, things aren't going great. We're not perfect right now. We're not, we're not rattled by it though. You're not going to shake us. You're not going to scare us into not playing our best hockey. There's a couple of things that inspired me from that too. I got to talk to Kale McCarr more today to follow up on a little bit of what he said from last night. And without going into too much about it, I asked him about how a team who has a pretty established culture in terms of good habits and buy-in, what the issue then has been, because he himself has pointed out that some of the mistakes, even when the margin of error is very small and they're easily correctable, has been related to habits and checking in every shift. And then what it is with a group that has such an established culture that is causing this disconnect or this delay in getting everyone on the same page. And he pointed to the newness of the group. Even though there's a lot of returning personnel, getting everybody on the same page, the lack of consistency, that has been one difficult part. But without keying in on that too hard for a second, I also asked Bednar today, that so much of this season has been viewed through the lens of loss, the loss of Kadri, Burakovsky, and not having Landeskog. But what about some of the new additions to this group? Can we point to maybe as a point of strength, the ways in which this group is different that we might not be valuing as a positive? And some of that is Alexander Georgiev. And Bednar went on to say that Georgiev has exceeded expectation um, just in his first year as a starter, and that he might be, of goaltenders they've had come in anew like this, the best they've had. And he also went on to say that even though Lekkonen isn't a new addition this year, he's new to start with this year's group, and he's become a part of this core. And so he talked about how some of that newness hasn't been entirely negative, and that having Lekkonen emerge as part of your core is important and is a part of the conversation of this year's group. And having Alexander Georgiev be what he has been has also been another bright spot worth talking about. Uh, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a tangent here because my brain just went over here. Uh, On the avalanche, which players are most consistent about keeping their shifts timely and which ones (laughs) go long on their shifts? Do, do you like have this information? I'm so no, I, I'm, I'm asking pure pure feel here. I'm not expecting like statistically correct answers. I I feel like I see Miko get caught on long shifts quite a bit, and then I feel like OC is is usually pretty. Tidy, get Very out there. Robotic with the time to get off. Right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Get out there, skate your ass off, get off. Which is in alignment with his answers about his pet peeves in the locker room. I thought that he was seems so very attention to detail oriented. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I like those answers. The thing is, when it comes to short shifts, you don't want that. Megan, you nailed it. Jesus. 
but what you do want is that hard skating. So when you do get to the bedroom, make sure you take a little LOC, make sure you take a little Miko, and make sure you're Roman ready, okay? <laughs> yes, that's so genuinely. I, Megan was like, is this an ad read? And I was like, no, this is a legitimate question. Son of a bitch. And if you want to add a little bit more in there, Roman does have their discreet wipes. That Look, I'm going to be honest. I suspect good stick Lecky uses them on his stick because, <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta get it. The wipes will make you last four times longer. Uh, they also have bunches of other options. Whatever is going on, Roman is here to help. They're the digital health clinic for men addressing a variety of sexual health needs and offering genuine medication that helps achieve and maintain a strong erection uh again they offer the uh wipes that make you last four times longer and they also have plenty of other help if you have low t getting testosterone levels back to normal can help increase your libido and roman offers a testosterone test so you can check you can see exactly where you're at and get treatment there's no waiting rooms there's no hassle it's a straightforward digital experience that you can do from the comfort of your own home so if medication or testing is appropriate, Roman will send it directly to your door after you get checked out by them. Discreet packaging, free two-day shipping, super easy to use. It, it's the way to go. You just got to jump on it with Roman. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> to learn more about how you can achieve your personal sexual health goals, go to ro.co slash dnvr to get 20% off your entire first order. That's ro.co slash dnvr to get in there, you can get a free consultation, and they will get you all set up with Roman. Uh, also brought to you by the people over at Bacchus and Shanker. Uh, if you have been injured by that ad read, that's your fault because you willingly chose to tune into this podcast. But if there's something that's not your fault that has injured you, you can call 222-2222 to get yourself set up with a consultation with them doesn't matter how it happened, car accident, even if it was a ride share where you weren't driving or something like that, if you were injured at work, all of those things, Bacchus and Shanker just wants to get you what you deserve. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients over the 25 years they've been doing this, so they're very, very good at what they do. And the important part is the consultation's free. They think you have a case. They'll take it on for completely free. You only pay them when they win you money. So you literally get what you deserve. And it costs you essentially nothing. Check them out. Bacchus and Shanker. You can go to coloradolaw.net or push two for a while to get yourself hooked up with some really dope lawyers. Third period. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I, was just, I, I went and scrolled through the, the just the comments real fast while, while you were doing that. And someone said, so does Jesse think Tampa is going to beat Toronto in round one again? Like we said last year, until anybody beats Tampa in the East, I refuse to pick against them. So as much as I love what Toronto did at this year's deadline, and I think they're really good, if they pull Tampa, I'm going Tampa because as dope as the East is this year, it has been – this is this will be the fourth try the Eastern Conference will have at beating Tampa. And if they – like, I just – so I, I will not pick against them until they are actually beaten. <laughs> So, yes, I, I, I do think Tampa will beat Toronto again. <laughs> well, that would that be why it just ends up being a rematch of last year's cup final. Oh, dude. Honestly, <laughs> I think that would be I think that'd be fun because it would be super nasty. Like that would be a yeah mean fucking game. 
no one would be happy on that ice right. until it was right. over. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be great hockey. Uh, third period, I wanted to run some monthly numbers by you guys for the Colorado Avalanche this year. October, they go four, four, and one. November, nine and three. December, seven, six, and two. January, eight and five. February, seven and two. Now, of course, through March, they're one, three, and one. Hasn't been great. But genuinely speaking, and I think this goes back to a little bit of that flipping the switch, we've seen some down stretches for the abs. Is this streakiness or is this the abs maybe getting a bit lackadaisical at times then getting into a situation where they need to turn it on and turning it on? Yes, both. Both? Everything that you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. I, 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 I keep using the phrase, I don't think this team has ever gotten their footing this year. And if they don't go deep in the playoffs, I think that'll be what it is. They just, they never, they haven't settled. The Avs haven't settled into a schedule, a roster, uh, you know, uh, there's been no flow to this season for them. Megan, I, I don't know if you already brought it up today, but like you and I talked about it yesterday, that Finland trip, I really do think just messed them up. I'm not blaming anything, whatever. I just think that that seven days off before and after, and I just think that that got them off on a weird foot. You lost Val Nachushkin and Bowen Byram on that trip. So you left with both of them, came back. Neither of them were available for several weeks. You were expecting Gabe Landeskog back after 12 weeks. We're approaching 24. Uh, Darren Helm was expected to be ready at the start of the season. He wasn't, he came back for four games, right back out. There's just been weirdness at every, every turn. And hearing you go through the month by month breakdown, Rudo, like I I do also want to say, I don't think this season has been as bad as it feels. Maybe I agree. I, I, I had the conversation with my sister actually that, I think it's hard because we do naturally, I I do it constantly compare this team to last year and what they were able to do. And you do that because it's the same core, but I think it's in the video that's pinned to the DNVR page. You have to go back to Oh one Oh two to find another team that was that dominant wire to wire. Yep. Maybe the lockout year Blackhawks, if you want to count the lockout year, the, the shortened season, but like the run the abs went on last year from game one of the regular season to game six of the Stanley cup final was a, was a literal all time run. They had been, you know, they've been steadily improving presidents over the year before. So the fact that it's not like this knocked out of the park grand slam, you know, amazing season, like this group is battling hard despite everything that, you know, we've kind of talked about, they're not maybe where they wanted to be in the standings. Is it a little disappointing going back to like that season preview show? Yeah. It's a little disappointing. They're not burying this bad Western conference the way that we thought they would, but I just, I, I just genuinely don't think this season has been as bad as it it feels. and, And maybe some people are acting like it is. Uh, a couple pieces of, of food for thought here. The Avs' current record, if you put all that together, is 35, 22, and 6. 13 games. 
over 500. That's not bad hockey by any stretch of the imagination. It really, the only difference between them and Dallas at the top of the division is overtime losses. Dallas has 35 wins. Colorado has 35 wins. And so, uh, Rudo, thank you for saying that because everybody that I talk to, fan, from a fan perspective, everybody, this chat, Twitter, my mentions, everybody, this team, they, how can they possibly think they can hang with Dallas? How does Dallas not scare you? How it's like because Dallas isn't having any better of a season. Like I, I, again, I'm not. Uh, this isn't me discounting Dallas. Jake Ottinger's, you know, he's doubling down on that playoff performance for sure. That's a good team. Not taking anything away from them, but I just it's funny to me the way that Avs fans look at Dallas having this great season, and the Avs are having a shit season when. Dallas has won the exact same number of games the Avs have. Yep. And it's just, that's one of those, it's a matter of perspective. If you it, think it, that the Avs can't hang with a team as good as Dallas, I got news for you. Even on paper, Dallas is no better than the Avs. And, and like, fair enough. Dallas has done a better job of getting games to overtime and picking up that loser point. Loser points mean nothing in the playoffs. They don't exist. Yeah. You either win the game or you lose the game in the playoffs. Yep. That's it. Yep. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that Dallas wouldn't be a tough matchup. I'm not saying that that wouldn't be my biggest reason why I wouldn't want the abs to see Dallas in the playoffs is because every Dallas abs game going back to the early two thousands has just been weird. <laughs> Anytime those two teams get together, weird shit happens there were seven games of just, are you kidding me in the bubble two, three years ago? Um, so yeah, again, that's, that's not me saying that Dallas isn't a good team or whatever, but, but it's just, it's just funny that I talked to so many Avs fans that are like, well, look at Dallas. And they're basically playing the exact same hockey at the Avs are record wise. It's yeah. I, I think if you dig into things, there are a lot of reasons to to feel confident against the West, certainly for Colorado. I did want to touch on this very quickly as well. I get it. Colorado gets to play a lot of teams in the West a lot more, so there are some easier opponents there. Today, Colorado would be in the first wildcard spot in the East. So even in that monster of a, of a division or of a conference, they would be in the first wild card spot and they would have games in hand on some of the teams in the third spots in their divisions. So, it's not this, unrealistic that they could catch some of those teams. Right. And this comment here from Janet or about streaky. I asked Jared Bednar about this much, much, much earlier in the season. If you look around the NHL, this has been a trend coming out of COVID. There, there are teams constantly bottom feeders top teams playoff bubble teams all over the league and it's and it's weird but go back and look coming out of covid there are more winning and losing streaks now than ever teams are rattling off eight in a row and then dropping six straight and and i i think the abs were a little bit immune from that last year because they were so dominant kind of in the way that boston is right now that like just what we're seeing from the abs six straight wins. Now they've dropped three in a row. They won 14 out of 16 
right before that, you know, they, 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 whatever it was, they lost seven out of 10 or whatever. The, the NHL is just, there's a weird phenomenon happening. There's it's becoming a streaky league. And I think we're seeing it affect the abs this year. And I just wanted to call that one to attention because that's a good call out. And if you go look around the league, there is a lot of that happening over the last two to three seasons. Uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here for the day. The one real thing that we've seen trend in the wrong direction for Colorado across the course of this season is the power play. Since December 1st, they're the 24th team in the league. So bottom 10 at 17.8%. Well, just has to be better. Megan, you're Jared Bednar. How are you fixing it? Um, I really we don't want to say that. that. We, were, we did say that we were going to put you in as coach after yesterday. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, this is a real hypothetical that was presented to me. And even today, he's tinkering with it just a tiny bit and had um, Lekkanen on PP2. But I, I don't know if I should start off on how they should fix the power play because I'm not sure it is as simple as a little switcheroo between Rodriguez and Lekkanen. Okay, so what's the problem then? I don't feel prepared to die. Can someone else start this off? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, it, it's. I think you have a couple different things going on here because the power play has been one of the most interesting parts of this season. Because to start the year, they were on fire, yeah, mowing teams over, and the personnel really hasn't changed between then and where we're at right now today. So I think you do just have a little bit, a little bit of snake bit. Pucks just aren't going in. Again, I think that's a small part of it. Um, I think the abs need to add me personally, and this is a pretty high level, like, duh. They need to add a couple new wrinkles. We saw them utilize that bumper the bumper kick back out we've seen them utilize that that two-on-one there either the the shot from out high or the shot from on the wall and i just think it's gotten a little stale you need to find a way to mix a couple things in and then the obvious one for me and and it became glaringly obvious last night and they tried to do it i think with that double drop i'm not saying get rid of the drop pass entry nathan mckinnon is elite elite at that but I remember last year, Kale McCarr on more than a few occasions decided to take the ice that he was given. And it just caused teams to have to be a little bit more true and not cheat as much. I just think the Avs need a couple variations. I like Lekin in that bumper spot. They're trying the 3D on the second power play unit. I think they just need to get a couple things, a couple different looks. They need to get a couple pucks to go. And you're going to see that that power play start buzzing again. Um, but I just think that for me, it's just gotten a little stale. You, you got you to gotta try it. Something different, uh, a different set play, different looks. I do also think they're missing Gabe Landeskog. And again, I, I don't want to lean on that one too much because it wasn't an issue at the beginning of the year. But Gabe Landeskog plays such a huge role in front of the net, below the goal line, retrieving pucks. The abs are at their best when they're skating and they're on pucks and they're four checking and they're winning board battles and, and, and they're, and their puck retrieval and the offensive zone is on point. You got to get back to that. 
you got to just start winning pucks. That that game last night was so frustrating because every time they entered the zone on the power play, it felt like they were just handing the puck to LA and then we're chasing it back their own, uh, you know, into their own end. Got to get better on your puck retrievals. Got to get more bodies to the net and just add a different wrinkle than bumper, bumper kick out or two on one out high. I think the retrievals is what they were looking to address today with Lackanen moving on to PP2 because the chances allowed against on their own power play yesterday was a detriment to their momentum in that second power play where they allowed a Trevor Moore breakaway. And I think that that is what he's tinkering with now because I think it is an important call out that even if they're going to miss a shot attempt when they finally do try, they need to be able to get that puck back and maintain possession because they allow too much risk the other way. Well, and they found so much success and Rudo, I know you and AJ don't always like, but they found so much success with shots from out low to high traffic to the net because you had several different options from taking that shot out high. Miko, Nate, Kale. And I feel like it's now, we need to find the perfect cross seam pass. So I do want to talk about that. Not necessarily that specific situation. Right. And I, I think this is also a bit of a product of not having Gabe Landeskog. Look, Nico and McKinnon are still getting their points, maybe not as consistently as you would like on the power play, but they're still getting some. Arturi Lekkinen's last power play goal was January 18th. Yeah. JT Comfer's last power play goal was January 16th. The auxiliary pieces on the power play are just not producing. Full stop. Right, right. Because you, you exactly, dude. You, you you're getting your one timers from the wall, but you're not getting anything down the middle of the ice. Yep. At all, whether it be Kale, a guy in the bumper spot, or someone down low banging in a rebound, getting a tip. That's a, that's a great point, real. Like you're 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 getting it from your shooters, and you're getting it on those cross ice passes. One of the reasons why I really liked Lekkanen on PP1 for so long was because he was really good at getting that one-timer off in the bumper spot. Like, honestly, for me, and, and again, like, this is purely, con like, congestion spitballing. Like, a wrinkle that I think would be interesting, I'm not necessarily saying they should do this, but, like, put Alex Newhook in the bumper spot on PP1. He, he made a living in college and in the American League off that one-timer. Puck goes from out high on the wall, touched right into the middle, and that's where Alex Newhook just banked goals for three years. Put him there. You know, put him there. Put put him there to, to just put pucks to the net. And you know what? If it doesn't work, change it. Put him back on the second power play unit on the wall and try again. But that would give you just another raw shooting threat there in the middle of the ice. Drop Val down low for your big body who can dig pucks out, who can get in front of the net and cause problems. Uh, or, you know, have it be JT, what, whatever. But I don't know, put, put another high-end shooting threat there. You know, like, j just try that. Give yourself another weapon in the middle of the ice. I love the new hook call-out because we saw as recently, let's see, it was the Calgary game, I want to say, the Logan O'Connor half-wall fake, not actual yeah. pass that he just one-timed in poses so much more of a threat maybe than he's given credit for. Well, and, and again, like Megan, you know, I mean, both of you guys know this even better than I do. Go pull Alex. Just if you went and pulled every Alex Newhook goal from college in the American League, a third of them 
are are shots similar to that one that you're describing, Megan, where he takes a one-timer or a loose puck off the wall? draw a cone from the net in a line, like just to the side (laughs) of that face-off dot on the left side of the ice. And like 30 of his goals will be in there. Yeah, (laughs) it's like just a little bit inside from where the OV spot is. And if you go pull college and American League highlights for New Hook, it is just that over and over and over and over again. Drop him there. Run that fake the, the the play that you saw the lightning run last night with Nikita Kucherov. You know, Kale to Nate, fake that one timer and, and bump it right to Newhook. Like again, and that's obviously very like. I'm not saying that's the, the the answer to their power play problems, but like those are the types of looks and those are the types of adjustments that I think that they need to at least be trying during this slump right now. Give yourself more weapons. Give yourself more options across. To, both units to put this into a more systemic look at it i think a lot of this problem stems from the fact that the abs play a bumper system which isn't inherently bad but the way they play their bumper system forces a player into the middle of the ice that is extremely stagnant you need to give that bumper player a little more freedom to move to the left move to the right cut down to the middle cut back up Instead, the Avs really like to just have him sit there, and it it, it creates traffic in front. It screens a goalie. I understand that. You can get some one-timers through to that guy, but if you can free that guy up to move a little bit more, find the soft spots in the ice, that's how you free up shots like that for Alex Newhook. Well, and, and in addition to what you're saying, Robot Rudo, um, oh, <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, they either need to give that guy more freedom to move or they need to get in more touches. That bumper spot, the reason that teams started using that was because it suddenly became this guy that's like kind of hard to cover. If, if you're covering the guy in the bumper spot, you're leaving someone else open. So that's why teams started using him. Well, if you're just going to park him there and not get him any puck touches and not utilize that at all, yeah. well, then you're just kind of covering, like you're covering your own guy. You either got to get that guy more touches and and force teams to respect that player there in the middle of the ice, thus opening up Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, you know, someone down low. Or like you said, you, you got to make him a little bit more mobile. Yep. If you can't get him touches there, he needs to move to a place where he can get touches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good way to put it. Uh, all right. We don't have to go too in depth again. Just wanted to kind of take an overlook and and Ooh. maybe say, hey, I think there's reason to believe this Avalanche team is maybe a little bit better than people think right now. Yeah. Yep. All Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, on that note, we are brought to you by the amazing people on, over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, you can put your money wherever you want over there. If you're a new account, use DNVR code and bet $5. You can get $200 in free bets. Don't even have to win that first bet. You just get $200 in free bets with the DNVR code. So jump over there, do that. Go bet on whatever you want. If, if your emotions can't handle betting on the abs because it's too stressful already, that's fine. Go bet on somebody else. I bet Jesse's going to go bet on Tampa to beat Toronto. So (laughs) (laughs) I will, I will put my money where my mouth is. Uh, Of course you can go outside of hockey too. nuggets, super fun time right now. Great team to bet on. Uh, I, I wouldn't bet on the Broncos. You couldn't pay me to bet on the Broncos, but you know, you can bet against the Broncos. That's an option. Maybe you're a believer in Deion Sanders at CU. You can bet on some college football, plenty of options out there, no matter where you look. So 
Get over there. Use the DNVR code over at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See the show notes down below for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700, and it's void in Ohio. Uh, and then we do have one super chat to get to here, it looks like. $20 from Drew, who's always around. Honestly, I think they're just bored with the regular season. I'll get worried if this continues in a few weeks. As for the PP, can we please flip Makar and Mac? I don't even know that you necessarily need to flip them, but again, it's just remove the stagnancy. Get those dudes skating and switching. switching. Yeah. Yep. They've done that. They do that every now and then, usually on like five on threes. But yeah, get just get some more movement. You got two righties who, who have heavy one-timers get some movement yep get some uh, movement said, get some moving get some moving get 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 moving chat you heard it here first we're gonna get, get some moving, moving with the rest of our day we appreciate all y'all hanging out even with our weird schedule today um we will be back tomorrow covering yet another avalanche game it's going to be like this for the rest of the year basically every other day so we hope to see you there until then we'll talk to you on the next one You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you ought to, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.